The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk But No Politics, okay? I am your host, Andrew Lenz, and this is just a fun podcast where we get together. Well, I get together with a guest and talk about some nostalgia things or just topics that I think not a lot of people talk about or forget about. And uh, today I'm with Ed Reuter once again of Sports Your Enthusiasm. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. There's a lot of unrest in the world right now. You know, a lot of things that are going on out there. So it's kind of nice to take a break from that. And there's no better way than to do that than with a little bit of uh, nostalgic memories uh, about some some crazy topics. There's no one better than to to bring that forward than than you, my man. You you've got some good ones over over <laughs> the time that I've been listening. So I'm uh, I'm particularly looking forward to this one. So I'll let you tell the people all about it. All right, I will. But first, I want to talk about. My sponsor today. My sponsor is the Sega Channel. Sega Channel is great. It brings games right from the air to your Sega Genesis for only a convenient fee of fifteen dollars a month added to your parents' cable bill. You can have the Sega Channel. You can have access to fifty games per month across a variety of categories. Tired of going to the video store? Tired of buying games? The Sega Channel is the way to go. Sega Channel, go check it out. Ask your local cable provider. Awesome. Especially with family video closing, you guys are going to need that Sega Channel now more than ever. Oh, yeah. Such a new technology, too. Just something streamed right to your video gaming system. Who ever thought of that? Sounds awesome. So today's topic... Is one that I've actually been dying to do since I started podcasting. And then I saw you make a comment and I was like, this is my guy. This is my guy. Cause everybody else is like, I don't want to do that. This doesn't sound good. This is like the passion episode for me. And that is villains that are in second in command. Not the first guy, not the top guy guy that's just sitting there waiting in the wings some of them think they can do better than the than the leader already some of them are just lackey but villains that are second in command it's just what i want to talk about i think it's a good one this is this going to be a labor of love because i've thought about these guys a lot you know over my time and watching watching movies watching cartoons playing video games there's so many times you see that uh there's there's one kind of a bad guy who who might be more badass than than perhaps the big boss. He might be smarter, cooler, but for some reason he's kind of under the spell of this of this big boss guy. And I always thought to myself when I'm watching these things, man, why doesn't why doesn't this awesome character just take <laughs> over, right? Uh, and uh, it was pretty cool to hear that somebody else shared an interest in something like that. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking this one out today. Yeah, I think I like it because. I go back to being the younger brother for a lot of things. Uh, Football-wise, I'm a big Eli fan. Not that big a fan of Peyton. <laughs> and I'm, I think it's a younger brother thing. I had to look at him. He bossed me around. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I can do this better than you. I can be there smarter you than you. I just got to gotta, gotta wait. I got to wait. And I think that's how it's always been. I know a mutual one that we definitely have to go with is Starscream just right off the bat yeah he was he was the one that originally i think i made the comment about uh if i if it wasn't him then he was the inspiration behind the comment that, <laughs> that i was talking about because uh i mean if there was ever a more badass diabolical scheming number two uh that had all the pieces in place to be number one it was starscream and uh i think that would be when you when i think of second in command villain you just for me anyway and i think for a lot of people out there just starscream just immediately comes to mind rorschach test there it is <laughs> uh <laughs> you you think starscream so pretty pretty cool choice he was definitely my favorite decepticon and i could never figure out why but i knew that he was always just plotting like he would 
suck up to Megatron, but secretly just waiting to stab him in the back. The minute Megatron messed up or anything else, I go back to uh, Transformers the movie, the, the cartoon. He just kicks Megatron right out. Just get out of his face, everything else. Has the big coronation, trumpets, everything else. And then here's the newly formed Galvatron just comes in here and blasts down Starscream. And I still remember Galvatron saying, is this a coronation? Or, I think, yeah, it's like, is this a coronation or a comedic performance? Or it's pure comedy. And then just destroys them. And he just straight goes to ashes. And I'm like, oh, there goes like my favorite Decepticon. I mean, there's Devastator, but now who's going to like be that guy? Soundwave was always crappy because he was another suck up guy. But Starscream had his own little band of people. And then yeah, two, I just think as a kid, he was a jet fighter. So he was just yes. awesome to begin with, you know. Uh, just always, always liked him. And, um, you know, even though he changed through different iterations, I, I really thought that the, there were some times where he, I think, as you kind of alluded to with the fact that he could be a little suck up to Megatron, he kind of came off a little whiny sometimes. But uh, there's a, I think what it really comes down to for me is that there was more depth to this character than I think just about any of the others uh, that you would see from a normal bad guy perspective, because you normally see that with, with the good guys, right? Like the the protagonists of the stories always yeah. get the backstory, and you get you kind of get behind them, but you don't normally see that kind of depth and scheming. And uh, Starscream brought it all to the table, man. It was awesome. It reminds me of like uh, the the like Shakespearean type uh, Caesar type play. Mm-hmm. Megatron was Caesar, and Starscream was Brutus, and he was just waiting with the knife to just stab him right in the back. And that's actually how I looked at when we had to do that play in school and, you know, read the story and study it and how I I looked at it. Here's the person that's just going to wait, stab you in the back, and take the glory for himself and just do everything because he thinks he can do it better than you. And that's... That's one thing that always I enjoyed with Starscream, but also he he was badass because he was a fighter jet. And they keep they keep him so accurate in every phase of every Transformers I've ever watched. The live action movies, uh, when my kids would watch Transformers Prime, he was still the same, still the same character. They have different voices, but still the same character was there. You know, I'm going to suck up, but I'm going to stab you in the back the minute I can, Megatron. I'm going to turn on you. I'm going to do what's probably good for me, what's best for me, and not what's best for the group. And that was always the most intriguing thing. When, when you even think of the word Decepticon, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. the word uh, deception built right in there. And I think nobody maybe. Uh, filled that role better than than Starscream. So uh, for me, he was always the the quintessential Decepticon, even though he wasn't the the number one there. Yeah. You got any? What are other ones do you got that stand out? I mean, this was more of a mutual one for us. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, some other ones like when you really stop and think. Uh, one of the other ones like through the animated series. Now he was always kind of the uh, the main foil in some of the movies, but in the animated series, uh, Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. uh, was actually a number two uh, to to Crane, which I always thought was interesting. Uh, as a kid, I actually, despite the chronological misstep there, I actually saw the movie <laughs> before I started watching the cartoon. Uh, so I always saw Shredder as uh, the the main bad guy. Uh, Rokusaki, right? I mean, he's just just a badass. He's he's the number one. And then to kind of see him kind of subjugated to, to Crane in the animated series was kind of weird for me. Um, one other, if you don't mind me going off topic for a minute. No in the animated series, one thing always bothered me too. And maybe you could explain this because you might know more than me, but 
for part of it, uh, Michelangelo instead of the nunchucks had like this oh, grappling hook thing. And I've, I've always wondered, and I've never had the conversation with anybody about why did they do that for like one or two seasons of the show? They gave him this different weapon other than his iconic nunchuck. So if you had an answer for that, that would be amazing. But if not, we'll, we'll get right back to our number two villains. But I just I thought that was a, always so weird. I do have an answer for that. Um, yes, I knew you were the right guy to ask. <laughs> so the answer to that is in the United Kingdom, Britain, they were called the Teenage, teenage Ninja. It's hard to even say it. Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles because Ninja was too violent, deemed by them. And Nunchucks were illegal. So they had to redraw Michelangelo with a different weapon. That's and too funny first, that they allowed the swords to go and not the nunchucks. Yeah, and the nunchucks. It's all because it was just illegal. I guess you could have a sword, but you can't have nunchucks. Of course. You could just, you know, have a sword, rock <laughs> it around. That's awesome. That that actually makes a, a lot of sense. And uh, I figured there had to be a reason. And uh yeah that you were the guy to supply it. So that worked out really well for me. Um, but, but getting back on topic, right. Uh, okay. Shredder, just, a, just absolutely uh, a badass villain, right. I mean, he's got everything. He's got the, that kind of uh, ominous nature to him. He's got that really cool backstory from Japan. He's uh he's a, a great fighter in his own right. And uh, again, I'm, I'm not the expert here on the turtles uh, or, <laughs> all things 80s and 90s like yo i'm bowing to the master here but uh, was there was there ever a revelation on <laughs> uh, was there ever a revelation on why he was kind of number two on the cartoon or i mean what what transpired there how how'd crane get all that power i have no idea i think it was just easier to do it because as far as i know in the comic books it's the, the movie follows more of the comic books than the actual cartoon that's why things were different and that's why okay. Shredder actually died in the first movie because he died in the first one or two issues of the comic books because they were like, yeah, Shredder's not coming back. Or we're going to kill off Shredder because I guarantee nobody's going to buy this comic book. And then it blew up. Wow. And so they were like, now we got to bring him back. But uh, the Krang, as far as I think in the comic book as well, it wasn't just one. It wasn't just Krang. It was multiple Krangs that like inhabited bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. But I don't know why they made Shredder. I think it was just easier. That way, a little bit more comic relief too. Light and everything. It was a cartoon. So you had to like completely lighten it out. Yeah. It might have been it might have been too heavy with just Shredder. And I think sometimes uh they they kind of do that where there's like this this boss that's this uh you know all-powerful literal brain brain in a stomach as it turns out type of guy with krang there and then you actually need somebody more capable uh maybe like shredder would be to kind of carry out the the master plan and that's why i feel like a lot of these types of things are that we'll probably yeah. talk about on this one is that there's a guy with a uh and, and i try not to get into too many of those here like where you have a a boss that's the, the planner and the head honcho and then the guy that actually goes and gets it done because that reminds me more of like a henchman type deal. Yeah. I kind of wanted to focus on the ones that were more uh, capable of being the leader themselves and uh, I think Shredder falls into that category for me. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely does. And it is weird that he had to follow Krang all those times, but I think Krang had, Krang had the technology and it seems to be in one of those things where if you have the technology you can be the leader Krang had the army behind him once you got into Dimension X those rock soldiers would come out then what Shredder going to do then so you was know, it gotta the go... Technodrome yes I mean that's that's where it's at you need that Technodrome and that's and that's how you got to kind of look at it is who has the technology has kind of has the power in a way it's probably true all throughout history to be honest <laughs> it's really where really the way it falls i suppose i mean if you look at it in a fight 
Yeah, he's in a giant robot suit. He's his name is Shredder. You could probably beat him, but he also has laser beam eyes in there, and Shredder has karate. I mean, that karate is, is cool, but is it going to really beat out laser brain laser beam eyes? No, no, it will not. La- lasers in movies, gaming, cartoons, lasers generally win <laughs> over just about anything. Uh, it's uh, that's kind of like the trump card right there. Yeah, it's it's definitely it was one of those things too that I never realized until I got older where I was like wow Shredder just straight works for Krang yeah. I used to think it was some sort of like team and it was like nope Shredder works for Krang that is it mm-hmm. <laughs> just you know there he takes so much abuse from him and he just takes yeah. it and he takes it and he takes it and then all of a sudden and I don't think he ever does. I don't think he ever does really anything. Like, there's not a point where Shredder. Over, I think maybe one episode he overthrows him, but I'm not too sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. It's it's interesting too because what what I always thought with uh with the show, even as a kid, I thought it was weird that you know Shredder had the Foot Clan, which were you know the more traditional ninjas, more in line with the show. <laughs> Uh, and then Krang had all this wild technology. So it was like the the mesh of these two characters. Like, I, I thought to myself, why would Krang, with all the, the robots, and I think they were called like mousers and all those all those little, uh, little uh, mechanical uh, enemies that the turtles would have to face off against, why he would lean on Shredder in the first place. I mean, and then I thought to myself, well, Shredder's this badass that I've seen in this movie that I was like kind of afraid of as a kid, right? <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, interesting, interesting juxtaposition, and I think that's just kind of goes to show you how kind of goofy the '80s and early '90s cartoon scene was. Just uh, a lot of weird stuff went on, man, and that this is a perfect example. It is. Uh, I know we got into a little bit of discussion about GI Joe because this is a great example too within there, but there was a number two to Cobra Commander if you remember him, and once again, he was my favorite member of cobra and that was destro yeah yeah destro it, was the same mold as starscream very much very much he had a cool look to him as well uh it was a great character and it's funny because before we we hopped on air i had mentioned the serpentor as another guy that yes. we could bring up on here so uh gi joe was great because you talk about just uh the the wealth of characters that really drove that 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 whole series um it was really I'd really have to say between Transformers and G.I. Joe, they did the best of like character development and having instead of like one or two main characters that, you know, and then this army of faceless and, you know, mindless and characterless uh, armies, they they really had a lot of individual characters that all had their own, um, either their own obvious like machinations for Transformers or their own, you know, personalities and weapons and, uh, you know, different abilities in G.I. Joe. So I r- always really enjoyed that. Uh, if for no other reason, I think it drove the toy sales back then to have all the yes. different characters, right? Um, right. But I, I was right there with all the G.I. Joes and the Transformers, so I was loving it. If you watch uh, the toys that made us, the only reason why G.I. Joes had such in-depth backstories was because of Empire Strikes Back was coming out. And they didn't want to release G.I. Joe in with the Empire Strikes Back toys. So the writer of the G.I. Joe comic book, he was also Larry Hama. He's also a Vietnam veteran, and he was an actor. Did a bunch of things. He actually sat down and just wrote down all that stuff. And, you know, codename Breaker. This is where Breaker's from. This is what he does. Almost exactly what you would see, like, in a classified file and that was the one thing that really set them apart from everything is you knew the backstory and how they got there who they were like you said all their abilities but you mentioned Sepentor being second in command to Cobra Commander and I was like "Ah, I think that's when Cobra Commander got got kicked out of the seat yeah yeah, I think you're right. I think for me, it was always just, uh, you know, uh, in that case, it was kind of a guy that that took over power or that uh, 
use her power. And I I just always thought Serpentor was was such a cool character. And actually, not having really gone through it uh, since I was uh, a younger kid, going back and doing a little research for this, I found some really cool stuff. You had mentioned the the Julius Caesar nature of Starscream, and I was yeah. ready to talk about the same thing with Serpentor because um, one of the things that I looked up was that in in creating Serpentor, they actually extracted DNA. You know, as the story goes. Uh, from people like Julius Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte, Attila the Hun, uh, Genghis Khan, etc. Some of these ruthless leaders throughout history, uh, as though, you know, obviously their DNA is just laying around to do that. Um, but <laughs> I thought that was really cool that, uh, you know, even back then they they created this really badass character from all of the, the, the kind of DNA from a lot of the, the true-to-life bad guys in, in real life. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. But... Uh, you might be right, man. Destro might have been the real number two all along there. So, yeah, it was. Tell me a little about him. Uh, I just don't really. He was just kind of like the same. I just remember his his silver dome head, and that just being awesome. And then they did a re-release, and then he was ended up being gold because obviously toy sales. Even though you figured it was some <laughs> new thing, but as you get older, it was marketing. But he was just always. He was like in the same mold as Starscream, just sitting there waiting for his time. He didn't really kiss up to Cobra Commander that much, but he was just always so fascinating for me. The way that he just, the way that the voices, I think, helped these characters as well. Starscream had, like you said, was whiny, but that was in his voice. Right. Uh, Dustro was more, had a more stronger voice. I don't even know who did the voice of Destro, but he he had a way more stronger in-command voice where you felt like he should be the leader. I know I did. He should be the leader over the whiny Cobra Commander, which I think also did the voice. The same guy did the yeah. voice of Scream. Yep. So it was one of those things like, uh, kind of like the Shredder situation. Why is why is Destro sitting there when Cobra Commander messes up everything? He just seems like he whines every five seconds. And that's it. Yeah, very much agreed. Very much agreed on that one. And I think that, uh, you know, when when they're taking into account voice acting, because we're talking right now uh, largely about the cartoons, I think that the, you'd have to think that those are, you know, specific choices that were made by the creators of these shows to make them sound the way they did. And uh, there's probably something to that, to Cobra Commander's whininess and uh, you know, just the way he came across versus the way some of the, his stronger subordinates came across. So uh, interesting stuff, man. Yeah, it's, it's just so... The, he didn't look like anybody else. That was the other thing, too. Is he, didn't, he didn't look human. He looked very unhuman like with the gold dome i don't even know like a backstory or anything like that i guess the character is supposed to be born in scotland <laughs> but he didn't i don't yeah. think he ever sounded scottish at no all. He, he never sounded scottish to me yeah um. <laughs> yeah he was i don't know he was just always so different and like i said they gave him his own kind of team after a while i remember with gi joe's and it was all gold. And he, there was, he was gold. His face was gold. And I d never had the silver one growing up. I never had the silver Destro. I had the gold one. And I remember I was like, this is going to be great. I got this gold Destro. And that was, he's always been my guy. Starscream, yeah. Destro, always been my guy with this. That was That's the pinnacle right there. You can't beat it. It's Those awesome. the only... <laughs> Those were the top three that crossed my mind when, when I was like, I want to do their show. And it was just to get the, see if there was more people out there that enjoyed Starscream, enjoyed Destro. Everybody, Megatron's cool, but he's Megatron. Uh, Cobra Commander's whiny where it was kind of more of a role reversal. Megat I mean, Kelvin Johnson is name, his nickname Megatron. So it's, it's a cool name. It but. is. Greg, Greg Zorline is named Legatron. I mean, that, that's what we're talking yeah. here. <laughs> it's so good they renamed the nickname. I mean, that's that's how you know it's good. 
there's another show, but this was, I don't know if you remember Centurions. Centurions? Yeah, absolutely. The cartoon show from, from back, uh, back in the day. I remember watching that one, uh, cause that came on, uh, along with the same lineup as a lot of these shows that we're talking about. Yeah. And there was, uh, there was the doctor and then there was hacker. And I don't know if he was more of a henchman now that we're, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if he was more of a henchman or is he, yeah, he was more of a henchman because he was bumbling and not like, wasn't as competent. Yes. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. I think, so I think was, you, you have to, I think it's really what we're talking about here on a lot of these things is the level of competency that these, that these characters have. Right. Cause like a lot of times, like when I think like henchmen, the, the quintessential henchmen for me are like bebop and rocksteady, rocksteady. right? Like, <laughs> you know, just a couple of clowns that were, you know, Hey, go do this task mindlessly, go get it done. And, uh, and there you go. That's, that's what they did. Right. But, uh, at least the level of competency of a Destro or of a Starscream that, that really makes them special. Yeah, there was another one is uh, He-Man. Okay. This is probably He-Man with, you You had Skeletor, but I always felt like Evil Lynn was second in command, but she would just do anything Skeletor said. She didn't seem like she was going to backstab him. Right. But out of all that group, Merman, Beastman... Uh, Triclops, Trapjaw, I'm a huge Masters of the Universe fan. Uh, <laughs> she just <laughs> seemed like the most competent out of all of them. And I thought I remember, favorite... and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a uh, Hordak. I thought was uh, oh. was a was a real badass too. Uh, yeah. Not real. I don't know if they ever even lined up in the same universe. Did they? Did Skeletor and Hordak ever even? That's why he never even crossed my mind as like a number two because I don't know the cinematic universe versus the cartoon. I don't know if they ever lined up, but um, um, the story goes, I guess Hordak. Okay, Skeletor used to be from this is correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and telling stories like this, I don't even know how I got somebody that looks like my wife uh, <laughs> to marry me. But from what I understand, Hordak. Lived in Eternia because, and it was, and Skeletor used to be in second command of Hordak. But then Hordak kidnapped Shira, which is He Man's sister, and took her to Etheria, where he kind of gave her the Stockholm syndrome and was like, You're my daughter, you're me, these guys are bad, this rebellion is bad, but you're. You, you, you know, fight against them. And then all of a sudden she woke up because there was the He-Man and the Power Sword episode where he goes to Etheria, gives her the Power Sword so that way she can transform into She-Ra and help fight the Rebellion from there. Okay. So there's kind of your little lesson okay, yeah, on that's, that. That's certainly better than I could have done. I just remember him being a big, badass guy. <laughs> I didn't really know the, the story like that, so that's awesome. Uh, Masters but... of the Universe, now that I think about it, was really ahead of their time because um, even in the newer one, there's Hordak, but then there's Shadow Weaver, which is more of a female role. And same thing, everything else, where the female is in the second in command. I know G.I. Joe had the Baroness, but she okay. was more, I think she was like Destro's girlfriend too, the Baroness. But, okay. Yeah, she wasn't in that second-in-command role where you have Shadow Weaver and Evil Lynn is what you have now. And they didn't seem bumbling. They didn't seem stupid. They seemed like they could definitely take control of the matter, and it was just the stupid henchmen that screwed everything up. Sure, sure. Um, one, one cartoon that stands out to me uh, for henchmen Okay, I know it's maybe a little off topic here, but we are talking right. kind of like the second secondary villains type show. I'm I'm shoehorning yeah. this in here, so you're gonna have to okay. give me a little latitude on this one because I need to talk about it. It was my personal favorite cartoon uh, growing up that I couldn't wait to watch was Thundercats, and uh, un unequivocally, uh, Mumra was the guy there. I mean, he there was no no challenging the throne there throughout any point of the series. Mumra 
uh, was the guy. But his his list of henchmen throughout the, the course of the show was extensive from Slythe, uh, Monkeyan, uh, Safari Joe, if you guys remember him. I always thought Vulture Man was cool. Um, I mean, he, he just had a whole host of really cool bad guys that kind of appeared that in their own right, they were never, you know, uh, really henchmen. They were kind of well-developed characters, kind of in that, that G.I. Joe and Transformers uh, line. Uh, and they were they were a lot of fun to watch. And they all kind of appeared at different times. So they never, you know, they always were kind of given the spotlight on different episodes. Um, trying to think of a few more, like uh, Jackalman was another yes. another cool one. Jackalman was was a cool one just because he was kind of like the uh, the dog faced one to kind of the, the foil to the Thundercats, right? Um, but just really cool. They were all kind of uh, anthropomorphized, you know, animals and things. So uh, I, I had to get those in there because they were they were just really cool. And uh, the Thundercats was my ride or die. So I think they were a bunch of cool villains there. Well, I'm glad that you said that because I have an idea for another episode. So nice. After. Nice. Oh, here um, we go. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give you like a 10 day contract or something. To get you on loan from <laughs> Bryce there. And there we go. Um, but they were they were kind of in the same situation as Shredder, where they ran up to somebody a little bit more powerful than them, even though they were powerful, but. They ran into Mumra. Mumra was like, "No, this is my world. You're gonna live in it, and you're gonna do what I want, even though you kind of don't want to." And going yeah. back to Transformers, they did that too in Transformers the movie. You had Unicron, who made Galvatron, and whenever Galvatron would think he was bigger than Unicron, who kind of became. Uh, shadow puppet leader of the Decepticons at that point, you know, Unicron would just strike him down out of nowhere and he, he would have to beg for mercy and then say, no, you're in charge, Unicron. And I think that's what happened with the, with I think they were called the mutants or something. But those guys were kind of in that predicament. They thought they were cool. They were going to go in there. They were going to take down some stuff. And Mumra was like, no. This is mine. You're going to work for me. You may not like it, but this is how it's going to go. So I think that's where that's where I look at it from now, from a weird adult perspective, which is kind of weird. But that's yeah, I, I think that I think that's a great point. Is that looking at any of these things from an adult perspective is is kind of weird because I think that you know now everything is kind of more geared towards the people with buying power. Right, who are yeah. you know those that group of you know call it eighteen to thirty five year old uh, you know dare I say males who are mostly watching and again I know that there are absolutely female fans of all of these categories but I think the main uh, the main demographic still watching these types of things is generally male and uh, that's a lot of these shows uh, I think back in the day though uh, targeted kids you know because back in the day it wasn't necessarily it was the wasn't necessarily advertising dollars behind big budget movies or you know the uh, you know the, the the box office sales or the advertising for TV, but it was the the merchandise, right? And I think the yeah. merchandise were absolutely geared towards kids back in the day, and so you had a more uh, kind of childish uh, look and feel to the cartoons. And I will tell you, I, I, it pains me to say, but some of the episodes of some of these are are not great when you go back to watch them as an adult, <laughs> which uh, which absolutely pains me to say, uh, but but still. Yeah. Looking back with nostalgia, I think, is the way to go with some of these. Because I'll, I'll even say that some of the way I, I thought of these characters in my mind versus what it actually looked like, uh, quite a difference there. Like, I remember the, the Mumra transformation from when he's kind of in that mummified state to when he just, you know, goes, goes full blast. Uh, I remember that being amazing in my brain and going back and watching it as an adult. I thought, okay. Maybe maybe not as amazing as I remember, <laughs> but but still still a lot of fun to look back at it. I mean, even uh, I don't know if you remember Silverhawks. This is one that I love to watch, but it, it's it's hard to remember some of these. Silverhawks was like part of the Thundercats triple threat. Okay, that oh. one I don't know that I remember that one. I just remember like the Copper Kid, and they had an awesome. Uh, awesome theme song but they had 
And you could tell it was by the same people that made Thundercats. They had they had Munstar. Silverhawks were like a police force kind of. They had Munstar. And I'm looking and I'm like, I can't remember any of them, but I find it funny that one of his wacky henchmen was named Yes Man. Okay. That's (laughs) That's how that's how great he's pigeonholed, huh? Yeah. But that's Silver, yeah, Silverhawks was amazing. I actually, I actually picked them in a cartoon draft, and everybody looked gave me like a weird look, like why would you even pick that? Because it was, it was my cartoon is the one thing that I remember. That's funny. But uh, I think we got to get to probably we're gonna segue into movies. We'll talk about okay. probably probably about the ultimate. Number two, second in command of all time. Just awesome. And nobody probably looks at him that way. And it, if you think about it, in every single one of the movies he appeared in, as this person, he was always second in command. From the moment you first saw him, he was like second in command. And that's Darth Vader. It's just. That's absolutely I mean, correct. I mean, no doubt correct. about that one. Grandma Tarkenton owned him. Then you get into Empire, and you he's got to deal with the Emperor. Return of the Jedi gets into the Emperor. At one point, the Emperor does in Return of the Jedi, I think it's one of the most classic things is here's the Emperor, and this is where it just proved how Vader was. He didn't even want Vader anymore. He was willing to sacrifice Vader to get Luke Skywalker to make Luke Skywalker his new second in command. And just throw them away. And everybody, I think a lot of people don't look, if you're not well-versed with the Star Wars canon or anything like that, I don't think many people look at Darth Vader as, like, the second fiddle to anything yeah. else because he's so powerful. You're you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you what, two things about what you just said that were incredibly accurate. One, for me, watching as a child uh, or child ask i don't know where exactly was when i first saw it because they the movies predated me a little bit and then i watched them somewhere in my childhood uh but i remember thinking to myself that darth vader just was the bad guy right you know you don't fully appreciate a full plot of a movie when you're a kid you just see that you know uh darth vader's out there force choking cats out there left (laughs) and right and he's you know throwing uh nameless henchmen around and stuff and uh definitely definitely with no doubt appears like the main uh, the main bad guy there. Um, and sure, he's having conversations with the emperor and things like that. But again, as a kid, you don't exactly follow the, the politicking behind it and all of that. And um, absolutely, without question, uh, I would have said uh, shortly, if you would have interviewed uh, 10-year-old Ed, it would have been that Darth Vader is the main bad guy here. And I think that's <laughs> exactly like you said. I was going to say the same thing, that that's how people view him. Like when you think Star Wars, right? And you think, okay, Star Wars villain. Number one, if you're playing Taboo, um, I don't know why they would let you say Star Wars if the card was uh, Darth Vader but <laughs> <Yeah>. or villain <laughs> probably. But either way, if it was allowed, let's say it was allowed and somebody said Star Wars villain, I think just about every time uh, somebody would say Darth Vader. You know, no, nobody's saying the Emperor, right? Uh, nobody's going as the Emperor for Halloween. They're going as oh. Darth Vader. So uh, interesting character there that, you know, to realize that he even he, that he even was a number two was, I think, kind of shocking for me uh as i grew as an adult because it was really shocking as i got older watching uh watching a new hope the original one and seeing vader force choke somebody and then somebody that had absolutely no connection with the force is like vader stop and he just lets him down when grandma tarkenton tells him to do it and i'm thinking to myself how do you that that doesn't make sense to me now. I mean, later on, it's kind of like one of those plot hole things, but here he is there. And then in the second one, he's talking to the Emperor. He kneels to the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. He has to answer for the Death Star not being completed and everything else. And you never think that he would answer to anybody. I mean, as we get into the prequels, you get a little better of an idea of it with, you know, how he became Darth Vader. But for 
people like me and you our age where we didn't have the prequels until later on you're like wait a minute sure he, he's supposed to be this all-powerful being but yet the emperor just demolishes him by shooting lightning at him and everything else and just makes him seem really sad and sorry and and the emperor i watch star wars theory on youtube and Come to find out the Emperor like purposely made his suit really like crappy so that way he okay. would always feel pain. So he would always have that anger with him. That's why if you if you watch Rogue One, he's in that tank, because that's the only time where he doesn't feel any pain. Okay. So not only did he was like, You're my second in command, I can destroy you at any moment but I'm going to make your life miserable every step of the way as well. Very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's really cool. Kind of uh, looking back at, at some of those things and look almost like what a tragic figure Darth Vader was, you know, oh, uh, that he was just kind of twisted and manipulated. And I, I think really for me, that's the driving force behind the whole star Wars thing is driving force unintentional pun there is that the force kind of depending on which way you go with it uh good or or bad light or dark uh really does kind of twist you right and that's kind of he's darth vader's the perfect character to display what the dark force kind of uh what it does to you right so a kind of twisted grotesque hulk underneath that mask but uh pretty cool stuff you, I know you had some maybe like a video games or anything else like that. I, I did really... it just. If you, if I'm, I might be stretching here again, and you, I'm gonna let you be the judge if I'm stretching too much here on this one. You let me know here. Uh, okay. But there was one other one that I had in movies, and this guy, or I guess uh, program, I should say, is is kind of like a number two. But it was uh, Hugo Weaving's character from The Matrix, uh, Agent Smith, because uh, Agent Smith is kind of the embodiment of the the computer program that's that's kind of governing the Matrix, right? Yeah. So he's kind of, in a way, he always fell to me, and I think it's because of, again, we say appearance is very important, right? He was just mm -hmm. like almost like one of the other nameless, faceless agents, so he he had that appearance of being like a henchman, but he was actually like the embodiment of the you know, the protective, you know, entity inside the matrix. And again, I'm shoehorning here, but I, I had to mention him as just one of my favorite kind of characters that kind of was the main bad guy throughout, but in essence was actually like, not exactly the main threat or enemy. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if that's, yeah. if that's a reach or if that, if that works for you. I think that would work. Cause he kind of went out and if he's the embodiment or like the actual image of the computer program. I could see I think that's that. where the stretch is. I think that's where the stretch is, right? Because he's actually like the computer code embodied in the Matrix that kind of tries to take down Neo or that, you know, uh, fights against anybody that's been unplugged. But I just I wanted to talk about him. That's my that's yeah. my guy right there, Hugo Weaving. He was a badass. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had to bring him up. But then you see um, him in Lord of the Rings as an elf. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He was yeah, cool man, in Lord is, of the Rings though, so. He he was. He was. It's interesting how characters uh you know, you really only think of them one way. And that's why yeah. I always wondered like guys that were or you know, um actors or actresses that were in long-standing TV shows, if they you, you kind of get locked into that role like aside from his other personal problems, uh like how do you how do you get Cosmo Kramer to go be somebody else in a different show, right? It's just not going to it's not going to happen. Um so it's interesting, but Hugo Weaving is always going to be Agent Smith for me, so oh. I had to had to throw him in there on the list. A villain's list without talking about him for me would be I'd be remiss if I didn't bring him up. I got another one. It's kind of one that you kind of made me think of and you know Cobra Kai is a big thing now. And going back to the first Karate Kid Okay. You got Johnny Lawrence, and in a way, throughout that movie until the end, he is second of command of kind of Cobra Kai. Is he? Yeah. Am, am I right? That's or a good one. Or is he more of John Kreese's henchman? Because no, Kreese will say something, 
And then Johnny Lawrence goes out and he takes care of it. And but no, yeah, I would say he's second in command of Cobra Kai. Maybe not a teacher or anything, but he had those other guys that were like his little henchmen as well. So it was kind of like a shredder situation. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, okay. I'm, I'm with that. And if we're, let's, let's do one more of those. Type. What about the Terminator? How does the Terminator fall on this list? Is, Cause he's, he's a creationist. He, he's not really the main, I mean, he's like the main enemy, but who remind me who like, this is, again, this is predating me a little bit. I, I don't know that I've watched a Terminator movie, like since I'm like 10 or 12 years old. So <laughs> like who created the Terminator? Is that is that a thing? Is like was Skynet. there a main boss like that was like o- over above? You said Skynet. It's Skynet was it's almost like a Matrix thing. Skynet's like a computer program, and then okay. it goes haywire. And I All think right. I went haywire in August because I did it in my pop culture history today in pop culture <laughs> history. Nice. Okay, so and then it's so he's very much an Agent Smith type of deal, huh? Yeah, but there's so many. But you can that's a that's a hard one because that would be like because when I look at the Terminators, I think of more of them as foot soldiers. They're all the same. True. They can be different. They're kind of all the same. Like you could have them different colors. Like anybody can be Terminator. Like gotcha. the Terminator could be molded after you. Could be molded after me. I don't disagree. I this the seed was just planted in my head. I thought of it after we kind of talked about the uh talked about the the matrix a little bit and um you know just just in general just talking about those guys that were like it, obviously he's the he's the titular enemy there, right? He's they, they named it after him, but uh he wasn't really in charge. Like he wasn't like the one pulling the strings, you know what I mean? So I thought yeah. I kind of thought about that from that perspective, but it just uh, seems like Agent Smith, I could see because there's almost a name behind it, even though he could do it. But like, like you see one Terminator, how do you distinguish other than it being Arnold Schwarzenegger as the character? Like Agent Smith yeah. has a name where the right, Terminator right, right. doesn't really have a name. That's my only thing about it. It'd be, um, did you ever watch X-Men or read any comic books of X-Men, the animated series? Uh, what was it? What was the big Suntel's name that made Suntel's? The the mother, the mother bot or something like that. I can't remember what her, that would just pump out Sentinels. That's kind of, kind of how I looked at it is here's Skynet and they're just pumping out Terminators. Okay. Yeah, how, I can I can dig that. Yeah, they're a little yeah. bit more nameless and faceless than than uh, yeah. than they should be if they're a true number two. So I think you got me there. To get back to your point, to get back to your point that you started to say before I rudely interrupted you with my my loose uh, shoehorning <laughs> in of other movie franchises that had That's no fine. place there, I guess. Um, no, that- this is what we do. Says, let's talk. As long as we don't talk about <laughs> politics, let's talk. That's right. That's right. So uh, definitely outside the world of politics is video games, which is near and dear to my heart. And uh, mm-hmm. when I was thinking of this, the second in command type of deal, um, you know, I, I don't know how much of a gamer you are necessarily, aside from some of the sports games that we've obviously talked about in the past. But yeah. uh, there's a franchise that's near and dear to my heart since I've, you know, probably the last uh, man. 15 years of my existence has, has been always always lurking around in the background was the Diablo franchise. And uh, anyone that's ever played that franchise in Diablo 2, which was one of the most popular games in that series, uh, could tell you that the main game focuses on what are called the major evils. So these are like the main bad guys of the storyline. Right? So these are Mephisto, uh, Bale, and Diablo. These three guys are, you know, they're the big bad guys, but you fight them very late in the game, right? So by the time your character reaches those guys, they're not too bad. They're a little bit easier because you've already leveled up. You're you're geared up. You're ready to go. Uh, But there's another guy. He's a lesser evil, definitely a badass, very scary, ugly-looking guy uh, named Duriel. 
you fight Duriel all the way towards the beginning of the game in just Act Two, where you're not ready yet, right? You're not you're not geared up yet. You're a little you're a little underwhelmed for this fight. So Duriel, they always say, is one of the hardest bosses in the entire series just because of where he lands in the game and how strong he is for that time. So just in the video game world, as soon as I thought of, you know, a strong number two, there was no better example for me in this case than than Duriel. So there okay. he is. There it is. I didn't get that far in Diablo 2. <laughs> I did play Diablo okay. 2. I have played I played Diablo 1 and I played Diablo 2. And uh that was definitely something that I I didn't I didn't really know that there was I just remember the cut sequence. The the open actually the opening sequence to Diablo oh, 2 yeah. was after one of the best opening scenes I ever seen. Plus it was on PC and at that point, what was it, PlayStation? Mm-hmm. So obviously it was gonna blow out of out of blow out of the water, but I never really yeah, I always remembered how cinematic, and I think that's what did it for me too with those games, was how cinematic the cuts scenes were. They were just beautiful, and still to this day, uh, Blizzard does such a fantastic job. That's the the company that has uh, <laughs> such franchises as like Diablo, uh, Heroes of the Storm, um, World of Warcraft, uh, Warcraft, Starcraft. The the cutscenes in those games are just beautiful. The art department in general, just I think it helps bring those characters to life, and that's kind of what did it for me here. I think. Uh, so another huge, huge list of characters that we could go into for days. If you're signing me on for a 10-show sh- series, then we, we could definitely <laughs> definitely have one be about uh, Blizzard characters. I was thinking, I was trying to look into like, comics or anything like that, but I can't think of anybody. Like You had Magneto, who was just, just great, powerful, but he seemed like he kind of picked and chose who he was going to go with. I can't think um, of anybody. There's like the well, it's it's from TV, years. but there's Vanna White. Uh, Vanna White was obviously <laughs> the most powerful number two that's probably ever existed. Because we know behind the scenes, Pat Sajak's not running shit. You know, uh, Vanna's the one out there turning the letters. You know, she's doing all she's the work. A, she's not a villain, though. Oh, you did that we know of, man. I mean, <laughs> all right, that's fair. All right, it's not it's not best number twos. It's best number two villains. So yeah, Vanna's, Vanna's gonna get a pass on this one. If it's number two, we could. Oh my goodness, we could go all day. That is true. There, there's um, maybe the most famous number two. There was number two from the Austin Powers movies. Yes, um, he wasn't featured, and and he wasn't like a super strong number two either. I would I would argue that Frau Farbissino was far stronger and scarier than he was. Number two was kind of mild, but I mean he his was, name was number two. I mean <laughs> that's pretty good. He was smart though. He was smart. That is true. He invested in Starbucks. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> See, there you go. And, you know, it's amazing because even if, like, I don't do much research because I like to dig into the nostalgia factor for this. And even if I wanted to do research, it was just you had to go off of memory and think about a show and try and go with the ones that are most memorable because it seems like they don't they want the main villain to be the most memorable instead of the number 2. Oh, of course. Yeah. Which is always that, something crazy. And I think that's why that this was kind of a, a cool episode to hop on here and talk about because there were some very memorable characters that were number 2s that were that outshined the main antagonist, right? So, uh mm-hmm. I think it's cool if there's an episode to to highlight those guys. It worked out pretty well. And like I said, this was one that when I started doing this podcast, I was like, I really want to do this. Uh, there was no takers, but I'm glad I found you. And like I said, I got another great epi- great episode idea as well. So that works I mean, for me, man. But this this one, I'll tell you, was a lot of fun for me. Just uh, and what I really like about coming on here is it. Uh, for me, the episodes that we've had have been very nostalgic. And, you know, obviously in listening to you, uh, you've got, you know, some more current topics too as well. You got, you know, you talk about anything as long as it's not politics, right? But uh, the ones for me that are so much fun to talk about are the, the nostalgia topics from, from my youth. And, man, it doesn't get any better than the, the Tecmo Super Bowls of the world and the, the comic book villains. And, I mean, man, it's a, it's a trip down memory lane and it's it's always a good time, man. So anytime – you know, 10 show series, 11, whatever you got for me, I'll, I'll come back. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I like to look at 
even when I do my movie reviews, like I just, uh, the last one I did was The Last Starfighter. And I remember watching it as a kid. I watched it as an adult and two completely different viewpoints. So that's one of the one things that I like to do that we talked about a little bit here is think about what you, what it was for a kid and then what it was now as an adult. Sure. Yeah. Um, very, very different point of views, obviously, uh, you know, very different um, ways of looking at it. And I, I made mention of that even before you brought it up now, like I said, looking at things as an adult and saying, Oh, that's why this guy was that way. That's why this thing happened that I didn't understand as a kid. And, you know, seeing what, what Vader was like in the grand scheme of things and, you know, understanding some of the plots better than, you know, you watch as a kid, it's just the action. And is it the good guy standing tall at the end of the episode? Right. I mean, that's all, that's all I looked at. And, you know, obviously as an adult, you look for a little bit more depth. And I think that's what, that's why uh, this is probably only something that we could do as adults, right? This is only something you can go back and look at because I don't think that, um, not sure that kids would have the, the wherewithal or the, the thought process behind it. So it, it was a blast, man. No, I definitely, I definitely can notice that. Like when I watch shows with my kids, <laughs> there's no, <laughs> there, I would need to know more depth of a character and kind of look into them. But uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, you want to you wanna plug your show there? Sure. Uh, the show is a Sports Your Enthusiasm podcast. Uh, you, you made mention of Bryce Benjamin, uh, who is my I, – I am his co-host. He is the founder of Sports Your Enthusiasm, and he graciously brought me along for the ride. I've uh, been on a bit of hiatus towards the end of the year due to you know, situations in the world, man, just uh, you know, COVID and otherwise. But uh, I have no doubt we will be – be back shortly with more more great sports action coming at you, covering all the all the different sports that are out there. Be it basketball, football, baseball, hockey, tennis, boxing, whatever whatever you've got, we'll we'll talk about it and uh, have a great time doing that show. We're everywhere. If you just look for Sports Your Enthusiasm podcast on any social media, you'll find us there. Uh, thank you for letting me plug that. And uh, man, what a, what a pleasure it was to be here and uh, the stuff that you've got going between the two point conversation, your podcast here, uh, the 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 fun stuff that the eat sleep list I believe is you you have a hand in that if I'm not mistaken or no, if not no, if not no. you're sharing it every day so I, I, I see it through you so that's a, it must be a friend of uh, a that's friend Matt. of the show that's that's, that's Matt, Matt Johnson that's oh, Matt. another I've good done, one I've done two episodes with him we did okay we did top ten cereals and top ten toy lines. Oh, the, the best, right? So I, yeah. I, I, I associate that one with you a lot for some reason. Maybe those were two oh, of the no. ones that I, that stuck in my mind. But That's uh, all Matt Johnson. <laughs> That's not <right>. me. <laughs> but uh, hey, man, you, you, you do a great job with everything you do, so I just appreciate you uh, bringing me along for the ride here. No problem. And uh, thank you for coming on. And everybody out there, please check out the Let's Talk But No Politics Facebook page. Also on Instagram. Uh, the YouTube channel doing some retro gameplays and that's where you can also catch the two point conversation Tecmo Super Bowl season as well and maybe some other fun podcasts and I also do bonus episodes that that air every Friday at 7pm on the Helium Radio Network so please check out all that and um, to the listeners I know I posted on the Facebook page but to everybody else thank you once again for another great month growth and i'm really glad that i can bring this to you and i'm really thankful that you all listen to me and with that being said i'd like to say good morning good afternoon and good night Get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? 
Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready. Set. Mother. Delay of game. Offense.